This is the time that we all been waiting on. The moment all the naysayers been hating on. See, they've been talking down on us and flexing. It'll take more than that for you to stop a Houston Texan. A lot of teams talking tough and can't back it up. But not the boys on Kirby, so you can pack it up. Reliant Stadium is where you can find us with the whole city of Houston, Texas standing behind us. See, we've been waiting on this one for 10 years. Sacrificing our bodies with blood, sweat, and tears. Okay. All right, guys. Welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered. Uh, I am your host, Gilnari Gold. Uh, I have my co-host here, the Garnet Texan, and we are very fortunate uh, and blessed to have uh, our guest, uh, Jordan Palmer, uh, on today's episode. Uh, Jordan, how are things out in Dana Point? Oh, it's going great. Yeah, just um, just kind of finishing up uh, the draft training uh, processes, getting prepared for the combine, and uh, so it's a really fun time. And, Okay, good. Yeah, I mean, and you're working with with quite a bit of prospects right now, as you usually are in the off season. Um, we can eat, uh, actually get into that here in a little bit. Uh, but specifically, obviously, you worked with Deshaun last year up to the combine, have a relationship with him now. Uh, if you could just talk a little bit about the process that you and Deshaun went through prior to the combine, uh, and and kind of what you thought of Deshaun, you know, coming into it, you know, from when you met him to, you know, where he's at now. You know, I met Deshaun when he was in high school. Um, I, uh, I've been working on, uh, on uh, the Elite 11 staff for uh, since it really had started about 19 years ago. I've been a part of, in some capacity, of every Elite 11, uh, starting way back when I was just a kid helping out. And uh, But really, when he was in high school, I met him uh, at a regional in Atlanta. And, you know, I thought he was really good. I'm not so, you know, definitely, he was a uh, skinny little dude and, and was coachable and uh, was the top prospect and all that stuff. I don't, I don't know that I, any of us saw that he would be this right away, but uh, I met him back then, and he's been coming to my camp, my camps, my QB semi camps for the last uh, four years of the offseason. So uh, we've developed an amazing relationship, and, and it really comes from a place where I don't really need anything from him, and I don't, um, uh, I, I really just stay in my lane in terms of uh, the role that I play in his coach. Um, I'm not his, his best friend. I'm not his agent. I don't help him with marketing things. I literally just help him uh, uh, between the ears during the season and then uh, uh, a little bit more on the field uh, in, in between the ears in the offseason. So that's really the relationship we've had the last few years, you know, since he was in high school. And, and then when we go through the draft process, we spend a lot of time together as I'm doing right now. And, uh, you know, it's six or seven days a week for three months and a regiment routine and a lot of different resources are brought in. And so, Really, that, that time period last year, going through this with Deshaun, was uh, a chance to really, really, really dive deep. Yeah. Yeah, and, and honestly, I, I and you touched on it. I don't think anybody expected Deshaun to do what he did this, this season. You know, given – even if you were to, you know, talk about his preseason performance, you know, it, it seems like something just clicked after that Cincinnati game, and he, he just took off. And – it's funny because I try to tell, you know, a lot of people I talk to about him is you just can't limit, you know, lower your expectations just a little bit because it's going to be very hard for him to come in and throw 19 TDs in six games again next year. It's it's just not – that's not the way the league works. Um, but, you know, based on what you saw in the NFL and, and, and just what you've seen in general, I mean, what what would you say that uh, expectation would be for, for us as fans of the Texans to expect from Deshaun moving forward? I mean, should we pick up where he left off or – Lower them a little bit. Yeah, I think you got to lower 
expectations. Um, guys are coming back from an injury. Um, you know, the, the, the disposition is worth so much of it has to do with what's happening around the player. This isn't the NBA where, you know, if you have your superstar and then you add a second one, then you're guaranteed to make it really far in the playoffs. Right. It's just there's more um, elements in the equation. And so um, when it comes to Deshaun coming back, um, you know, he, he's not motivated. He, he doesn't need outside um, uh, things to motivate him. You know, he doesn't need the fans to really support him. He doesn't need anybody to help him want it more. Um, what he needs to be able to do is just take the appropriate amount of time to go through everything, uh, to continue to heal, continue to grow, and then, um, you know, and, and then and, and things need to line up and, and click, you know, as an offense. There's some new pieces that they're going to be working through. Um, you know, there's always shakeups in the coaching staff. There's timing. So, yeah, I, I'm sure his expectations are going to be as high as, as anybody's for this, for this year, and he's got a chance to be, you know, um, come back in a really, really big way, but... You know, I think with fans, what they saw last year is a league that was not prepared for what he was going to do on Sundays. <laughs> As we see over and over and over again, uh, every single season when somebody has a, an amazing year, makes a quick run, the league gets a chance to adjust. And so he's going to see guys, he's going to see defenses that are more prepared for him next year than it was last year. Sure. Yeah, and I think it's funny, you know, when you talk about the coaching staff, uh, you, I mean, you played, and, and your brother played, and, and, and you know what it takes. Is it amazing to you the relationship that him and Bill O'Brien were able to form so quickly? I mean, it's not every year or offseason that you see a franchise quarterback come out and support wanting to keep the head coach. And Deshaun did that multiple times through social media, and then he also did it multiple times on Radio Row. Can you speak to how important that relationship is uh, between the quarterback and the head coach and why it means so much? Yeah, well, you know, it's the quarterback and the head coach, but in this case, it's also the quarterback and the play caller. Right. Um, I'm a big believer that the, the most important relationship or one of the most important relationships in the NFL building is between uh, the quarterback and the play caller. Because uh, there's more than just, uh, you know, good communication skills or creativity or, you know, they both got to work hard. Like, there's just a lot of more, a lot more to it than that. Um, in terms of whether or not I was surprised or, or anything like that about how Deshaun is, is uh, stood up for Bill, um, I mean, not at all. I mean, about five weeks before the draft last year, we, after Deshaun got a chance to meet with everybody, talk with everybody, and fly to their facility, sit down with them at the combine, sit down with them at, at the pro day. After he got a chance to do all that stuff, um, he's got a great team around him. His agent is fantastic. His marketing uh, representative is fantastic. He's got a really good core of people, and we had all determined that it, the goal was absolutely to get to Houston. And they're the team that was uh, just just a, it was just a, it was the best situation for him. And uh, and I've known Bill for a long time, and so it was just really cool to be able to um, watch those guys foster their own relationship, and um, knowing that. Knowing Deshaun as well as I do and knowing Bill as well as I do, um, that was a big reason why Houston was was um, very early on always the goal for Deshaun to get to. Um, because Deshaun's smart enough to not worry about, well, if I'd rather get drafted higher by another team because it's more millions of dollars right now. Deshaun doesn't think like that. Deshaun thinks about being the greatest ever and getting in a situation that would allow him to go down that path. And so when 
all that crap went down this year, this offseason with everyone talking about Bill O'Brien and, you know, nobody really knows what's going on. I don't, I have no idea what's going on, right? Sure. Um, but of course he backed him because that's a huge part of the equation. Sean didn't want the Texans because they have sick uniforms. <laughs> Bill was a big part of that equation, right? Yeah. And, uh, and, and not the entire equation, but a big part of it. So, um, yeah, I think it was incredibly important for for Deshaun to use his voice and and uh, you know however however he did to to help make that happen. And I think Bill equally in return, you know, Bill realizes that he Deshaun is somebody special. And um, I don't know what Deshaun's going to do next year, but I know it's like he's certainly not going to drop off. He's certainly not going to get worse. This dude gets better every single year. And uh, as he gets older, he learns how to work better, too. Hey, Jordan, this is John. I'm the uh, co-host. Um, I have a quick question for you about Bill O'Brien. Um, it seems within the media that Bill O'Brien's not nearly as respected as he is among players. Do you happen to know why that is? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't um, believe it or not. I pay zero attention to, to anything in the media. Um, Fair enough. It's just—it's funny, and it's not—it's not an indictment on you guys or anybody in the media. But um, like on my phone, there's not like Bleacher Reports, ESPN app. There's nothing. I just don't pay attention to, to, to media. Um, so, um, but you know, in hearing hearing about it, hearing that people are going back and forth on on, on Bill. Um, you know, I think that he's just one of those, he's one of those guys that he genuinely doesn't care what anybody thinks. He just wants to win and wants to make decisions about that, about decisions that, um, that, that put him in a position to be able to, to win. And, um, his players, the, the good players respect that, you know, smart players who want to win. They don't care about things like how nice a coach is and how polite he is and the off season schedule and how many off days they get. The good players that want to win, they don't care about those things. They care about being a part of something that is going to put them in a position to win. And so, um, you know, from what I heard, there was a lot of players who were sitting here going, look, I don't care what anybody says. Bill's my guy. Just about every player um, that's under contract. What's that? It was just about every player that was under contract. The only negative yeah. from any of the players were players that were no longer part of the Texans. And even right. then. Yeah. Yeah, and I and think a got, lot. You got, got veterans. You got some real bets on that team, too. Yeah. I mean, I play. I played with Jonathan Joseph. You know, that is a quality dude. You know, who's been around, played two organizations. He gets it right. Even Genevia, you know, turn turn the corner, like coming a pro. Obviously, JJ. There's guys all over that place. They're sitting here, like they know what they want. Yeah. They were getting going to the playoffs, cycling through quarterbacks every year, four or five a year, and they were still going to the playoffs and winning the division. So they know what they want. Yeah, and it's funny because me and John, you know, we, we're a small-time podcast. You know, we don't we, – this is a pure passion project for us. We, we don't we, – we know enough, and, and we see enough of what's going on. And, and, you know, Bill, we've always been a big proponent of Bill O'Brien. We think that he is exactly what we need and, and exactly what the team needs. He, he is that no, you know, no bullshit attitude. I, I don't really care what you think. Uh, just do your job type of, type of coach. And that's what this franchise needed coming from Gary Kubiak. It's, it, you know, it's very different from what Gary had going on. And um, I, I think we're really starting to see the tip of the iceberg with Bill O'Brien. And I think Deshaun really opened up a, a, a part of Bill O'Brien's mind that he hasn't been able to use yet uh, since he's been with the Texans. 
Yeah. Go back, go back to this, though. I mean, look at look at Deshaun, what did his college career? He took a coach who was capable of being one of the top guys in college football, capable of winning a national championship, capable of building a real program, not one that was hot for a while, but actually a real program that sustained over periods of time, decades. And, uh, and he got that guy over the hump. A ton of people were involved in that win. It wasn't Deshaun Watson victory, but he was involved in getting Davo Sweeney over that hump. And he, t- he, he saw it in Davo. I mean, Deshaun had an offer from everybody in the country. Right. And everybody, everybody wanted to replace with him. And it, he wanted to put a program on the map. And he saw all these guys coming out of there, these, these draft dudes coming out, you know, getting drafted high also, but never really getting over the hump. And, I mean, it, it, if Clemson's not the best program in the country right now, it's second or third or, you know, it's right there. Right. And they're going to be in it every year. I mean, they don't, they don't even really have a quarterback right now. They got a couple of young guys coming in, you know, like, they're going to be in it every single year moving forward now because they got over that hump. So Deshaun has done this before. He is a great, great talent evaluator. Interesting. He knows how to pick coaches. Well, it's good that he, he knows, knows how to pick, pick players too and teammates. He identified that Texans is like this is the best situation. Yeah, uh, he did the same thing through the process of picking college. It's crazy. Yeah, you know, and and what's funny about at least just Deshaun's story and what he's been through. Obviously, it's 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 always out there. You know, it, what he went through as a younger kid and through high school and college and a habit for humanity and and all that stuff, but. You know, this this guy just never seems like the moment is too big. And it's funny because you say he tones out everything and just steps up. And, you know, we saw it last year in Seattle, which would which was probably the number one NFL game of the year, in my opinion, between him and Russell Wilson. I mean, he went to Seattle, one of the most what they say, the most hostile environment in the NFL and went toe for toe with Russell Wilson and that great defense. And it just never he never looked shook. Uh, so yeah. it, it's just crazy. So what I was wondering was, as far as, were you surprised at how good he was able to read defenses? Well, I, you know, I, I'm not surprised. You know, it's going to be super easy for me to sit here and go, no, I'm not surprised. I'm the one who thought he was going to But to be honest with you, like, no, I'm not. Like, what I told teams is, Davo Sweeney's right. He's Michael Jordan. Like, Davo is incapable of bullshit. He's not a liar. He doesn't fabricate things. He's so steadfast in his faith. And he also can't just make up things. If he just tells everybody that all of his guys are the best guys ever, then people, the teams will listen to him. They understand. There's a game. He understands it. And that's really what I was on teams. It's like, yeah, he's he's right. There's a bunch of stuff that Sean has to get better at. And he totally will. <laughs> Super quick. All these guys. I trained the top couple guys a couple years now like these guys all have to you know people say like you know who which which guy is most you know ready to play year one none of them they gotta play they they all have to get a lot better all the best ones you know but Deshaun is a guy who he processes information really quickly and, and he's a fantastic student on stuff but he also improves really quickly he's really coachable so I I do We'll talk about this for a second. So I, I'm a big believer that um, athleticism 
is paramount when it comes to coachability. You have to be really athletic if you're going to be really coachable. You can't just want it and say, yes, sir, and tuck your shirt in and show up on time and nod and smile and take great notes. You actually have to be really athletic to focus your energy on that body part to change a muscle memory, something from old muscle memory to new muscle memory. So right now, Deshaun, we're gonna when he starts throwing, we have things that we have to do this offseason. He his mechanics slip because there was so much football happening to him last year. And I don't talk mechanics with guys during the season. When because there's so much football happening and new information, offense, defense, processing, all of it, his mechanics slipped, like it does with everybody. So this offseason represents an opportunity for him to go back and kind of rebuild his stroke. But I know that it's gonna happen incredibly quickly. My words are forever, but because of how, how athletic he is and the tie that that has with coachability. And so he's a guy who, and I'm training three of them right now that do this. It's a big part of my evaluation process. I didn't try and train all the top guys. There are some guys who are big-time quarterbacks in this draft class. I didn't call. Last year, I didn't call Mr. Trubisky. I've never met Mr. Trubisky. I wanted Deshaun because... For me, and whatever reputation I have in the space of getting guys better, well, yeah, I also I want to take somebody who's athletic enough to be able to fix it really quickly. I've trained my brother for the last three years in the offseason. It's like charging money, and he's like a client of mine. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I don't even care less. And he's, he's, he doesn't watch ESPN, so I'm sure he's not going to listen to this podcast. He, I can say this in front of him, but he, he's harder to coach. He's 38. Right. And he's more set in his ways. And not in terms of convincing him to do something, he'll try really hard. It'll just take him more reps than it takes a high school kid. A really athletic, young, boy, you know, high school kid. Yeah. And with Deshaun, he just learns at that level and it goes to happen so quickly. And so, like, you know, my conversations were with Bill and those guys were, were just really about that. Don't worry about how good he is right now. It's, it's damn near irrelevant. You know, we talked about that a year from now, a year ago, and, and in the draft process. Like, don't worry about, you know, well, what much does he know about offense? It, it kind of doesn't matter because you're a guy who can teach him. And I'm just telling you, this dude learns super quick. So it's kind of irrelevant what system he played in. And, you know, he wasn't under center. Okay. Yeah. We'll put him under center a bunch. <laughs> He'll be great. Don't overcomplicate this. You know, he had people questioned his arm talent. Okay. Well, let's look at the throws when you thought he ripped it, and let's look at his mechanics, let's look at the balls when you think that he didn't have a very strong arm. It's the, t- the, the tie goes back to mechanics. Well, this is a kid who understands mechanics and can learn it really quickly and can turn them into muscle memory really quickly. And so Deshaun Kyrie a couple weeks ago, I'm going to do a beginning, a middle, and an end this offseason. And, and, uh, and, you know, the, the, this part, obviously, he's not throwing when he was out here, so uh, he's rehabbing and stuff. So it was great for him to come out, and, and that's just, we just broke down the games and just really just had conversations around mechanics. And it's just awesome because, like, it's just going to happen super quick for him. And he's obsessed with football. It's all he does. So, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, improvements, you know, uh, redoing things. Um, I use the word impact, trying to impact some mechanics. Impact can mean start doing something. can mean stop doing something. Do it more often. Do it less often. Like, whatever the impact that you need to make on those specific mechanics um, you can do it. I just worked long enough with Deshaun to know that if it takes everybody else a month, it'll take him two weeks. Jeez. Okay. 
Well, it's funny. So you bring up mechanics, and and I, I I'll be honest with you, I, I've probably watched every Deshaun throw uh, as a Texan at least uh, probably ten times each. And when it comes to the mechanics, you know, uh, during the Patriots game, and I'm sure you don't remember every play as of yet, and you you haven't you know really broke down what you guys are going to work on yet, but. Um, during the Patriots game, he threw an interception. He was throwing an out route, uh, basically didn't step into the throw. So he wasn't able to put as much as he needed to, to deliver the ball. It was picked off by Steven Gilmore. What, what do you, what are you wanting him to, let me rephrase that. What do you expect mechanically to work on this off season for, for Deshaun to really hit that next level and, and get to the point to where he doesn't have the mechanics, you know, that he may have had the bad mechanics he may have had last season. Yeah. So, um, and I'm also not, a, I'm not a professional in any way. Like I don't, I, I just know what I've seen. I, I don't know enough to say what's perfect well, or not. No, so please don't take it. No, no. That's a great question. And there's a very specific answer to that. So, um, let's talk about the word habit first. Okay. So you can't, um, there's a great, there's a great book. I totally recommend it to anybody who's listening to this that, um, has something that if they're really honest with themselves, they think they should stop doing. Like for me, it's biting my fingernails. Right? Just does a kid. I always do it. And this book's called The Power of Habit. And what that book talks about is that you can't just stop a bad habit. You have to replace a bad habit with a new good habit that you do at that same time for the same duration. And it's something similar. Right? So for me, it's not just Jordan, stop biting your fingernails. It's replace that with something. So I shoot a lot of gum and I have a lot of suckers and I have a lot of throw lozengers or jelly ranchers. And when I want to buy my I replace that oral fixation with something else. Right. So as it pertains to throwing mechanics, if you have bad habits, um, Deshaun in college, this is kind of a cool story. I've never really told this to anybody besides us and teams. So Deshaun overthrew seven touchdowns this junior year at Clemson. I think overthrowing a touchdown is the worst play in football. It's the worst thing you can do. Because you take seven points off the board. You know, when you throw a pick, you don't necessarily know that it's going to be a pick six. A lot of it's, you know, dependent on, on what happens, you know, after the, after the ball's caught, right? So, um, but if an overthrown touchdown, you take seven points off the board. So, here was seven of them. And three drives, they didn't score on the, on that on that drive. So, he left, you know, some points on the, on the, on the table. And you talk about a guy who barely lost the Heisman. Well, yeah, there you go. So, um, what was happening is... Uh, he was throwing the ball really flat. He wasn't putting enough trajectory on it, not enough air or anything. Okay. So then you, I mean, what I do as a coach is, is I take a position of a, of like a physician. So I want to come up with a diagnosis and I want to leave with a prescription. Right. I'm not a guru, I'm not a whisperer, any of those cool words. I'm just a consultant and I want to give you, and I take the approach of a physician. And so <laughs> I couldn't figure out why on watching TV, why he, the ball wasn't being driven the way that. I had seen it driven a lot in person and why he was overthrowing these touchdowns or these deep balls. And so it went to trajectory. Okay, what do you do to trajectory? Well, what he was doing is he was overstriding. And when he would put his left foot in the ground, so picture a throwing motion, his hands come apart, his left foot goes towards his target. If your left foot goes too far, farther than it needs to, it prohibits you from doing the next couple things that you need to do. So let's kind of strip this down. Does any young quarterbacks listening to this right now or any guys who just are obsessed with football? Uh, write down these four steps. There's four things you have to do when you're throwing a football from what I call on platform. When you're standing up, you, just, you go throw. One, you got to have a short front stride. 
I want that front foot to just come up and down, maybe an inch. I don't care about how far it goes, but I just want it to come up and down as quickly as possible because I can't throw the ball until my left foot gets on the ground. I can't throw it as a right-hander. That front foot has to come up and down really quickly. So one, short front stride. Two, I need to stand tall. And what, happened, what I mean by stand tall is not so I can see better. It's irrelevant. I need, I need Josh Allen to stand tall, and he's 6'6". So you need to stand tall because what happens is when you, if you get hunched, Sam Darnold's the number one thing we're working on. He gets hunched. His traps get tight, and, he's, and his chest caves in when he goes to throw. And so what happens is you don't use those chest muscles. When you stand tall and you actually push your, your sternum forward and you relax your traps, what you do is you recruit those all those chest muscles. So it's not all arm. You're recruiting all of those muscles. Okay? The third thing you have to do is you have to chase your hip. We only chase things that are in front of us. So I don't want to bring my hip through. That insinuates that it's just coming with me. I want that to be the engine. I want my back hip to rotate forward in a way that to- creates torque in my midsection and my trunk. And now I recruit all of those muscles in my trunk, which is everybody's strongest part of their body, their core. Right? I want to recruit my chest muscles because I stood tall. And, and that way it's going to take all that pressure and burden off my arm. It's going to put it on 120 pounds of other muscles. And then the fourth thing you have to do is you have to violently finish every throw. Snap it off. We don't guide throws. When we layer one, we don't just kind of like guide it and finish it a little bit and pull back. So what Sean's doing is his junior in college. And I, so what I did is I flew to the, the Clemson-Louisville game because I wanted to watch him warm up. And I saw him warm up, so we changed it. And all seven of those overthrown touchdowns were before that game. Zero after that game. What I realized is in warm-ups, he was, because in warm-ups, it's so easy to get lazy. So he was overstriding to a point where he couldn't actually get over that front foot and his hip didn't fire, which made his chest come forward and his elbow drop. So he didn't recruit, he didn't use his hip and he didn't recruit his chest muscles. Now think about, I'm asking him to put more trajectory to start the ball off higher. Well, when you're leaning forward, that literally puts your body in a position where your arm can't go back where it needs to as if you were standing tall, straight up. Your spine angle is erect, straight up and down. So I watched it in warm-ups, and I said, all right, we're going to rebuild your warm-ups. So I want you to finish with your right foot on the ground in front of your left foot. So finish all the way through and just drag that right in warm-ups because if every day you warm up with 20 throws, by the end of the season, that'll be like a 1,000 reps of doing it right. But if you continue to warm up this way, you're practicing a bad habit. Your bad habit is getting better. It's getting stronger. It's getting more muscle memory. So we replace that habit. And he could physically do it because he'd done it out here a bunch in California. He just said, football's happening, and you get away from it. So guess what? When I watched the entire New England game with him three weeks ago, guess what mechanics he was doing? <laughs> went back to what was natural. Right. Right? So I had him all last offseason. It's pro day, and I told teams, I said, pull up any throw on a pro day tape, anyone. And his best throws um, from the family game. And what you'll see is his arm got a lot stronger and a lot more trajectory on his deep ball. You guys probably watched the combine last year. Remember Mayock and everybody raving about his money deep balls? Yep. He was just the only guy that didn't throw a flat. And wait till this weekend, next weekend, it'll be the same thing with my guys. Wow. It'll be the only guys not throwing a flat. And so with Deshaun, that overstride, bad habit, that puts you in a position to not be able to chase your hip or stand tall. So you just went two for four on the four things that you've got to do when you throw. And I'll just close with this on this statement. So, uh, I mean, Deshaun is a guy that like, he's all in on what we, you know, my blood, you know, 
I, I don't have to convince him of things. Um, and so right now, as he's rehabbing, he's going through his motion as, as well as he can with his knees, and he's just getting that short front strike back. Right now, just do that. Even just in the mirror, just short front strike. Step, 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 step. Let's try and get 10,000 reps of that before you even throw a football so we can get reps and reps and reps of those same individual things. Wow. Okay, so you just made uh, every Texans fan, uh, I mean, they're, they're going to be super stoked now just because of the full breakdown that you just gave them. So thank you. Um, well, so watch this. So Texans fans, watch this, okay? Pull up any any highlight from last year and watch his right leg swing up in the air at that Houston Texans uniform, right? Okay. And my, my goal is if we were to redo this conversation after the Super Bowl next year, that no one next season got a chance never, and no one ever saw his right leg swing up in the air. Because he's leaning. When he overstrides, he leans. hip doesn't fire, so the leg swings up in the air. It'd be really interesting to watch this next season. So I don't worry about expectations. I'm not sitting here going, sure. I think he's going to win the Super Bowl. Like, I totally do, by the way. But, <laughs> that's, not, like, that, but that's not it. You know what I mean? Well, right. I'm worried about like, the mechanics side of it. Because again, I stay in my lane. I'm not, I'm not his coach. I, you know, I, I, in some fashions, I'm, in, I'm I'm just a consultant for him. I mean, he's like my boy, he's like my little brother. But like, he's you know, I'm just I'm just consulting with him on these things. And he's got he's got great people in his life for the advice on everything else. His agent's a fantastic guy. He's got a great team around him. So and his staff there is amazing. I mean, Bill, that whole staff is awesome. So I'm just gonna on the mechanics side of it. So now that I know that we're talking to the new Tom House of uh, quarterback consulting and and off season coaching, based on the breakdown that you just gave. Um, we don't have any more questions about Deshaun. What I do have is, and this is, we, we, we touched on it when I talked to you earlier and I, I don't want to bring Deshaun's name into it, but with this whole, this, the last three seasons, uh, last three combines, really, everybody's really been raving about this mile per hour throw thing. Everybody, you know, there's a stat out there that no quarterback that's thrown under, uh, I think it was like 53 mile, 54 miles an hour has been successful at the next level. Um, and then obviously Deshaun, he throws 49, but what I saw last year was accuracy is probably the most important thing when it comes to, and to being in the combine when you're throwing, right? You want to show that your coaches that you can be accurate, but what do you say to the people that talk about the miles per hour and that the arm strength and, and everything else? I mean, is it really that big of a deal that people should talk about? I will just say this. Like I, I didn't, know that he threw at 49 I, and I know a lot about these guys I, don't even, I mean I don't even care right. I would love I, I would bet a ton of money Brady doesn't throw at 49 I would do the same thing and, and it's funny I bet because Breeze doesn't throw at 49 nope. I bet you Alex Smith doesn't throw at 49 <laughs> I guarantee you Cousins doesn't throw at 49 right and that's what's funny and those is, guys are ballers <laughs> right I mean? like and you can see Deshaun can make every out throw. He can make every deep throw. He can make, I mean, in the whole route tree, he's able to make those throws. Yes, there's times just like any quarterback where the mechanics slip and he can't laser it in there. But when his mechanics are right, he can literally compete with every quarterback as far as throws go, in my opinion. Yeah, a thousand percent. So throwing, you got to do, do two things uh, when you throw a football. You got to judge, judge two things. You have to judge the receiver's speed and his angle, right? On everything other than a hitch, a check down, and a curl, whether facing you or they're stopped, right? So you got to judge his speed and the angle. So it's not the timing. 
that 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 it's the speed and the angle is the timing, right? So timing's not the third element. Those two things make up the timing. So you know it's a big difference. And, and you mentioned Tom House. It's a big difference. Tom House is, is uh, abs- you know he's he's the absolute man. Brilliant. The guy that works with Adam Dato. Brilliant. Um, but one issue with those guys being baseball guys is um, you know pitchers pitch when they're ready to pitch. Quarterbacks, we don't we don't determine when we want to throw. We throw, we start our throwing motion based on what we see. You don't have the head guy in the headset going, wait, 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 now. <laughs> right? We, it's all based off visual. So I don't have any drills where there's an auditory response. I don't say throw, right? I do it based off of what they see. So I'll set people up down the field, receiver, DB, whatever, to be able to them to train, okay, now it's ready to throw, and here's the type of throw. So the first step is that you have to throw, you have to judge the receiver's speed, receiver meaning whoever's running the route, um, the speed and the angle. The second thing is there's only three types of throws in football. You either drive it, you layer it, kind of firm with an arc, or you throw the ball touch, right? Now, there's different variations, but do you guys golf at all? Yep. Yeah, you guys are amateur golfers, right? So... Either of you guys. Uh, who, who, who played the most recently? Or went to the range most recently? That would be me. Okay. How did you hit at the range? Describe how you hit at the range the other day. Uh, I would say above average. Uh, give me a little more, more in depth. Um, I, I was I was actually hitting very, very well. Um, I, I was slicing a little more to the right than I would have liked. Um, but once I stopped trying to power the ball through, uh, I started to straighten it out. With, with which sets of clubs? Driver, irons, and then how yeah. did you putt? Yeah, so it was more drivers uh, than anything. Uh, I was fine with my with my irons. Um, and then I actually didn't didn't putt at all. Okay. So, but you as an amateur golfer who doesn't get paid to golf can compartmentalize how you were at the range based off how you hit your driver, how you hit your irons, and how you putt it. Yep. If you were to summarize your golf game, it'd be something like, my irons are pretty good, I'm still fading it a little bit with my driver, and I still can't putt, right? Yep. Quarterbacks don't think like that, and I'm breaking this. I'm, I'm breaking this this paradigm with this. I try and push quarterbacks to be able to compartmentalize and evaluate a practice, and go into a practice thinking about same thing in game and for damn sure in workouts. By how did I drive it? How did I land or player it? How did I throw the ball to touch? I want to make sure that all three of those throws are continuing to improve. And when I'm peaking, so my guys who are throwing an Indian who are going to throw on their pro day, really their pro day. I don't really care about. The combine, the pro days, my guys will be throwing the best they've ever thrown in terms of deep their their uh, uh, touch balls and the layers and the drives. Because if one of them is struggling with the layer throw, he's going to get more layer throws. <laughs> and so I really push quarterbacks to do that. And when you then now when you evaluate Deshaun, you say, okay, how does can he drive the ball well enough? Well, mechanically, when this, this, and this happens, when he has a short front stride, he stands tall, he chases his head, and he finally finishes. Yes. He threw a post-corner in the national championship to his left on third and 16, and it was a freaking piss missile on the sideline, and it was a dime. Yeah. At New England last year, he threw a back shoulder corner route, very, very, very gradual level throw for a touchdown. Are you talking about that? Yeah, I was going to say. Yep, okay. That was a layer. He and then, layered that ball really, really well. And then, uh, you know, he did uh, a drill that we call conflict climb, where when somebody's coming at you, you don't just shuffle forward in the pocket. You actually rip your upper body through. Your right leg goes in front of your left, and then you cycle back again, and you hit Will Fuller at Seattle for a big, huge play. 
And so that was a great touch hole. So Deshaun has the ability to drive it and layer it and throw with touch when those mechanics are lined up. And then on top of that, when his mechanics are out of whack because he's running for his life or he has to make somebody miss, he's also talented and athletic enough to be able to just athlete those plays. And so I don't really care what his miles per hour is. I care <laughs> that he can evaluate speeds and angles really well. And he can throw the ball with touch, he can layer it, and he can rip it. Yeah. And so that's that's really how I come to my conclusions on these guys. You know, look, Josh Allen, I'll just, we'll get to him, I'm sure, in a minute. Like, he's got the strongest arm I've ever seen. I played with Carson for four years. I played with Jay Cutler for two. I've been around Stafford. I was a ball boy at the Elite 11 with Marcus Russell, and he came out my year. I've, I've thrown the ball a ton with Marcus. I've thrown the ball a ton with Aaron. Josh has the strongest arm I've ever seen. But now he's, you know, after really working on his touch, I didn't care about that. He's going to probably break the record for that, whatever that stupid mile per hour thing is. Like, I don't know. But it doesn't matter if he can't throw the ball in touch and he can't layer it. Right. And so really working on those layer throws. And then if you guys watch the senior bowl, all of a sudden he threw two dying touchdowns. Neither of them were, were, were drive balls. They're yeah. both layers. So it's really about the ability to make all three of those throws. And, uh, and if you can't drive it, I think mechanically you can anybody I've got some high school kids who are now going to big time colleges. It's like and they're not even grown yet. It's like I think mechanically you can get a lot on your ball uh, if you're specifically working on your drive throws. So it's funny, and, and this will probably be the last thing that I, I really want you to get into the the uh, QB Summit and, and everything you're doing right now, and also some of the other stuff you're doing outside of football because you, you really kind of have your hands on a little bit of everything, but. That throw to Ryan Griffin in the New England game where it was really like a back shoulder throw, but Ryan Griffin came back for it. Do you know what I'm talking about? The corner out. Yep. That that was the yeah, prettiest right. ball I saw Deshaun throw last year. Yeah. It was gorgeous. Yeah, it's a graduate level throw, right? Because essentially nobody's open. Right. But you have to, in a split second, judge that guy's speed and his angle. He's not, they, don't, they don't necessarily run it the way that it's drawn on the piece of paper all the time. In fact, <laughs> rarely. Right. Got to judge speeds and angle, and then also that defender's outside leverage. So in a split second, you have to go, okay, this guy's outside leverage. We're not going to get to the other side of him. But as soon as his back's turned, the guy's now open, and uh, Griffin's got to be able to just make a great play on it too. And so that ball can only be in one place, right? If that ball's low, you know, on his back hip, then that DB can always dive and make that play. But that DB can't stop and then get up the other direction right. and elevate. It's really hard for them to do that. And so um, yeah, it's a great, great example of. of um, the graduate level stuff that Deshaun's doing, there's some of it. He's not doing all of it yet. Um, he's 21 years old, but um, but he's certainly he's certainly tracking and just filing these things away and adding parts to his game. Yeah, that's great. Well, uh, so okay, so now you're working with Josh Allen, Kyle Allen, and Sam Darnold. You're prepping them for combine and pro days, and obviously the draft and everything else that goes into it. Why don't you talk a little bit about those prospects? Uh, I mean, you've been doing this for, for it, it hasn't even been that long, but based on the drafts, it's, it seems like it's been that long. Uh, talk a little bit about QB Summit and some of the things that, that you're seeing from those guys and, and what you're expect, expecting from them and everything else. Yeah, so what QB Summit is, is I really believe that there's no high, there's no like good or bad in your career. You're just at where you're at. If you're at a low point, it's, it's going to get better, you know, you're going to work through it and it's going to get better. And when it, when everything's going amazing, right, it doesn't mean that that's it. Like, you're not going to, you're not going to have uh, some downturns. Uh, Mark Tressman taught me, he was a coach in Chicago, an uh, amazing, amazing mentor of mine. And uh, I learned something really powerful from him. 
he said there's two things that will inevitably strike a quarterback, and that is the inevitability of success and adversity. So you have to get really, really good at handling those two things. Not just handling adversity. You have to be able to handle success, too. And, and you can't just be able to handle success and be humble and all that stuff. You have to be able to work through adversity. I mean, Deshaun was out peaking. I mean, I'm, people were talking about MVP and Super Bowl and all that stuff. And he blew his knee out in practice. Yeah. And he just started working on this year the next day. You know what I mean? I mean, I talked to him after. He was like, he's just going to handle it and move forward. So he's just a guy that just like already does that. With these guys, um, we try and do that. So that's kind of the essence of what QB Summit is. And so I work with high school, college, and NFL players. My favorite thing is helping guys transition from high school to college and then from college to the NFL because they just need the most. And they're not on a team. You know, they're solo. They're just worried about themselves at that point in their career. But I'm training a kid right now, JT Daniels. He just left his senior year of high school early, meaning he's not going to even go to his senior year of high school to go to USC and compete to be a starting quarterback as a true freshman, never been done before. Gatorade played of the year. Uh, pretty cool. Him and Deshaun have thrown together, I think, over like 12 times. And uh, it was a Gatorade player of the year. Deshaun is a Gatorade deal. So Deshaun actually awarded JT with the, it was a pretty cool moment for me. Wow. Pretty cool, cool moment for Jimmy Summit. <laughs> that uh, you got the best young talent given an award to the best younger talent. And they're both Jimmy Summit guys. So, um, so with, with these guys, what we try to do for the draft is, uh, you know, leading up to the draft, and this is this will explain how, how I work with Sean so much. So I run these camps called QB Summits, and I just, it's not invite only. It's any, anybody can come. And I have 12-year-olds all the way to guys that are already in college. Uh, and uh, I cap it at 25 guys, very small, intimate setting. And then I bring in three to five of the top college starting quarterbacks. So some of the alumni are Deshaun, Patrick Mahomes, Jared Goff, Christian Hackenberg, Blake Bortles. Um, Pretty cool, but ton of guys, ton of guys. Um, and instead of bringing in coaches, those college guys are my coaches. And during the camp, I'm coaching college guys as well. I'm graduate level stuff. And so it really creates this environment where everybody's learning from other people. It's not, all right, here we go. Jordan's going to talk for the next six hours. Let me get my pen and paper out. And um, so and everybody learns from each other. And that also allows me to get the opportunity to, to not develop a relationship with the college guys, but evaluate if this is the type of guy I want to train for the draft. And so, you know, with Sam Darnold and Kyle Allen, man, I've known these guys forever. For Josh Allen, I hit him up last year and said, hey, look, I hear you're supposed to be awesome. I'd love to have you come to a QB Summit, and let's evaluate each other. And he came, and, you know, he liked what he did, and I liked him a lot. And so, yeah, now I'm training for the draft. So it's really, really cool for me to be able to, to utilize it that. But the point is that everybody gets better from everybody else, right? It's a, it's a place where everybody's coming to serve, and in return, everybody will grow. So what we're doing right now is for the last two months, we've had those three guys. Um, I handpicked those three guys, meaning like those were the three that I wanted. Kyle Allen is not invited to the combine, and he is on everyone's radar right now as undrafted free agent. We left early and got benched twice. But I know this real story. So, yeah, I want to train Kyle Allen. That was the first guy of those three guys to commit to me because I, I wanted Kyle Allen. And, uh, and so – what we really do the last couple months, if you guys can follow along on uh, my Instagram, which is Jordan Palmer, and uh, keep you some on Instagram too, which I'm talking about a lot. We're also doing a huge television show that's going to come out March 27th on ESPN called Draft Academy. It's going to be sick. Hmm. Um, so we're really documenting everything, big production. Uh, really, really well done. And uh, and so what I do with these guys is um, I want to, in a nutshell, during the draft, is I want to expedite the, the, pro- the, the process of them becoming a pro. And I, I, 
you know, I, I had zero starts in the NFL. I wasn't a great player, but I, I reached my potential. Like, I, I really did maximize what I had. So I don't have any bitterness about how things went or anything because it was just, that was my journey, you know? Sure. And uh, I bounced around different teams and all that. And, uh, it was amazing. It set my life up. It, it got me to where I'm at right now and uh, allowed me to learn a lot of different offenses. So it, it was just my journey, you know? And so what we do is we try and expedite the process of them becoming a pro. So I rented a beach house. These guys are living on the sand right now. It's pretty sick. And uh, I've had multiple front office people. Um, I even had the GM from the Angels. We've been meeting with these guys almost every other week, just about the evaluation, you know, the, the process, the interview process as well. Uh, bringing you know a lot of vets come and go. Um, you know, Philip Rivers spent a lot of time with us. My brother. Uh, we're gonna be with Aaron Rodgers after combine next week. And so we're bringing a lot of these guys. But I also have a, uh, the top sports psychologist in the world. He's a Sports Illustrated and the number one sports psychologist, Trevor Boag. Um, this is what I did with Deshaun last year, too. Everything I'm talking about is what I did with Deshaun last year. Um, if anybody hasn't seen the show that we did last year, if you can just Google Deshaun Watson and then One Shot. It's crazy. Uh, we did a show on, uh, show on NFL Network. It's really cool. That was one-tenth of the production budget that we have for this show this year. So if you guys thought that show was cool, this one should be ten times better. That's awesome. So, um, so, uh, so bringing a sports psychologist, um, I install an entire offense. So I teach them Mark Trestman's offense. I thought it was the best offense I ever played in. Um, schematically, um, I can nerd out, but just I, I just thought it was the best. It made the most sense. It's the smartest way to do things. Um, and so I installed that entire offense. Uh, and there's two types of offenses in the NFL. There's a number system, and there's a, a concept system, West Coast. And uh, nobody really runs a West Coast system. Everything's a version of a bunch of different versions of every, you know, whatever's working, basically. And so what I do is I install that offense, which is a word system. Mark Trestman coached with Bill Walsh. Um, and then I reinstall that offense again as a number system. So I can draw up a play, and that can be pit right, rip, dagger, or uh, pit right, uh, uh, 22 hoss, uh, dagger, sail. Or that can be pit right, different protection, uh, deep lee, and then it can be 678 hook flat. Same play, just stand in a different way. So I developed a dual processing system for these guys. And you guys have heard that if you teach your kid a second language before he, he or she turns six, their ability to learn multiple languages actually, like, metastasize. Like, it, because they have a dual processing system, uh, they can actually learn multiple languages really quickly. So it's the same thing. So I try to teach them the same offense two different ways. And then when we broke down tape, we didn't watch tape. I had them literally go through the NFL playoffs. So we went first round of the playoffs. These guys went, and they each were assigned a defense, and they went through the whole full week-long breakdown. Monday, last five games. Tuesday, base pressures. Wednesday, sub-pressures. Thursday, third down. Friday, red zone. And they would basically do all the drawings, so they got a chance to see every single pressure, every single coverage that happened this year in the playoffs, which is everybody's best stuff. And then they switched the next week. So we went through the first round, the second round. Uh, when we had the, the Pro Bowl that week, we did a different thing. We just dove in on protections that week, and then we came back on the Super Bowl, and they each broke down a different defense, and they presented. And what would happen is they'd go through it, and they'd go, I don't know what this coverage is. You go, great, and I'd install it. So it was a way for everybody to learn at the same pace, and for guys who already knew some of those things, there was still a lot, a lot of things, specifics that they could learn about it. Not just what the coverage is, but what is every single defender's responsibility in every coverage? Really powerful. And so that's the process that we go through. And what ends up happening is I don't care about the combine. And I have a trainer, Ryan Flair. He's the best in the world. I used to train, I think, the last 10 in a row, number one picks. Straight everybody. Um, Kobe, Serena, 
Ronaldo, everybody. And, uh, so he comes down here for three months, rents a beach house. He's uh, the director of sports performance at Nike up in Oregon. So he comes down uh, for three months. He trains my job guys. And, uh, and so he, here's, here's, here's just an environment where everybody around them is the best at what they do. And especially with Sam and Josh, you got essentially the first and second overall picks throwing every day together. And there's been over a third of the time when Kyle was the best in the group that day. So they got, and Kyle's, Kyle's probably the best I've ever had on the board. And, and so you got really three guys really learning from each other that are now becoming best friends, but also really, really learning from each other and really pushing each other. And not because somebody wants to get drafted higher than the other guy. No, forget the draft. I don't even care what pick these guys go. I want them to go to the best situation for them and get in a situation to be able to build a franchise, play for the same team your whole career, build that. And uh, the only way you do that is through winning and winning championships. And so uh, that's the environment of QB Summit. Super long answer, um, but uh, that's what we're doing. No, it's great. And it's great to be able to hear it. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, Kyle Allen, and you mentioned that Bill O'Brien really likes Kyle Allen. And obviously, you know, you could see that with the Senior Bowl. Uh, but what is it specifically with Kyle Allen that that a coach like Bill O'Brien would like? Well, I, I just think if you, you know, if people, if, I can tell if anybody did their homework on him. So if somebody says, yeah, yeah, you know, and I've talked to a couple people, like, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, he's good, sorry. That just means they haven't watched him yet. Because the story is, is he was the top recruit in the country. Deshaun's here. He, was, he should have won the Elite 11 uh, over Deshaun. Right? John and Deshaun didn't win. Deshaun White won it. But, um, I mean, Kyle, everybody unanimously was like, uh, Kyle's the surefire NFL guy here. And then he went to Texas A&M. He played as a true freshman, lit it up in the SEC, following Johnny Manziel. And then they, uh, they signed this kid, Kyler Murray, who's going to play at Oklahoma next year. And, um, and you know, his dad played at A&M, and, and he was a running, runner. It's a dynamic runner. And um, they just kind of like weirdly let Kyler Murray play a lot, even though Kyle's balling. And uh, it was just this weird situation. I'll probably leave it at that. Okay. And um, Kyle just kind of got benched. And it's like, how did that just happen? So Kyle transfers. One week later, Kyler Murray transfers. That's how messy that situation was. So both their top picks, top prospects leave. So then he goes to Houston and, you know, Tom Herman says, look, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be your coach. You know, he didn't pick Houston because of the, the, you know, the fan base and the conference. He picked it because he wanted to play Tom Herman. Sure. And uh, he sat out, and then Tom Herman went to Texas. So Major Applewhite takes over. And, um, you know, Kyle, Kyle, Texan, their Houston fans who were paying attention last year, they, they probably know through five games last year, Kyle was leading the nation in passing efficiency and completion percentage. Yep. So he wasn't playing poorly. And um, and then as they started to put, um, struggle versus Texas Tech, they put in Postma, I'm not sure his name, the, the, the backup senior, who could run, and he ripped off a couple big runs. The next week they played him a little bit more, and uh, Kyle had a slow start, so that guy kind of went in. And then when they opened the competition back up a couple weeks later, uh, it, the run game, the, the game plan was all all QB run plays. Mm. And so that's how Derek King ended up taking over the season. And I just watched Kyle handle both those situations fantastic. Just did a great job. He was humble. He had a chip on his shoulder, but he was humble. He was a great teammate. He was supportive of the other guys. I know that his teammates have told me that. Um, he just handled those situations well. But I'm sitting here watching him throw, go throw for throw every single day with the other guys that are the first and second pick. And it's certainly not a knock on those guys. I'm just saying all three dudes are ballers. I think all three of these guys are for sure 
going to be franchise quarterbacks. They're going to be big-time starters. And I just know what Kyle has in, in him. And uh, he has not let these little peaks and valleys uh, affect the view of what the peak looks like as he continues down his QB journey. Sure. Wow. Okay, great. Well, thank you. Um, and, you know, some of the other stuff you do off the field, too, you know, obviously I, I've been following you on Instagram for quite some time. But I noticed something on one of your stories, I think it was today, where you, you noticed something in retail. Was that something that you're associated with? Yeah, so, um, you know, my my thing was I, I, uh, I wasn't very good at football, and so I, I didn't know how long it would last. And so I actually started a business my rookie year, and I threw $7,000 into a, a, a company with two guys I went to high school with. And, um, I won't talk too much about that because it's you know a long story but um uh, it's been amazing it was i basically said all right i'm gonna put some grand in here and i'm gonna get on conference calls during the season like, year round and the offseason as soon as the offseason hit i was in the office every day so i get my workouts in early in the morning then i go to work all day and and i played you know you know i, I, I played five official years or six official years something like that of the nfl but for 10 years i was playing right there's two years where i was out there's one year where I, or two years where i was also like a mid-season signing you know so however many like accrued seasons I have, I'm a vested veteran, but for 10 years I've joined it, right? And, um, and fighting and in the beginning, living with my parents in the off season, it's like not everybody makes millions of dollars, has this easy path, right? And it was beautiful, I loved it. And uh, so I, I got involved in business and I realized uh, through that business, and we started making apps before the app market came out. So anybody who saw Hard Knocks, somebody talk about RunKey, that was one of the apps that we launched. And so we just kind of, Sort of building different businesses, we ended up pivoting, and now we're the largest um, uh, channel on YouTube. Uh, it's called Shots, and so uh, we've done a huge Series A round. Um, it's pretty incredible what those two guys have built. So I'm part owner in that, and I realized, you know, I love this business stuff. This is awesome, uh, but I don't really care about apps. And I don't really care about like the social media side of things. So then I got involved in uh, I got involved in uh, something uh, that was just more in my in my, in my lane. It was around uh, marketing and branding, and so. Um, my business partner now, Taylor, who's also my high school receiver, uh, you know, he was really good at e-commerce right when e-commerce was getting going. And uh, he, he, him and my other partner, Josh, had started uh, Power Balance, his bracelets. So they were 21 years old. They started a company that went to $100 million. And uh, they were just making mistakes, making good decisions, learning on the fly. And, and uh, I was the chairman from the sidelines and uh, just watched that happen. And it's really powerful for me. And so... Taylor and I basically started consulting for brands like Evo Shield. I uh, was our first client. And th things just started working. Taylor's really good at, at you know, helping people build their e-commerce business and selling products on the internet. This is years ago. So fast forward to now, uh, you know, what we ended up doing is doing services in exchange for equity. So we saw these silicone wedding rings. It's like, dude, I get it. I lost my third ring. I love it. Uh, and so we basically didn't have any money. So we basically didn't barely had any sales. So we came in and, and uh, did an equity deal where we said, hey, we'll take over the online marketing side of it. We did, and, and four years later, with no funding, um, we've got 100 employees, and uh, um, yeah, we're, it's, it's really cool. So I'm, I'm an owner in Kalo. Um, if you guys haven't seen the silicone wedding rings, yep. have you ever heard of anybody wearing one? Um, you'll totally see people now wearing it. I think we've sold over two million rings. And uh, so we built this really cool business. Uh, as we started to sell more products, we needed our, we became our, main, our logistics company that we were using. We became that guy's entire business, so we acquired that business. So we have a logistics company now, too. And um, so after two years, I invested at Kilo and ended up saying, all right, let's spin this off into our own agency. And uh, 
I don't represent athletes from my agency. We, we, we represent brands and we scale their online revenue. So we brought Kilo on as our first client. And um, that business is, is uh, the majority of my time is called Common Thread Collective. And uh, so I work with brands like North Face, Lululemon, Kilo, Theragun, uh, and some startups as well. And we essentially take over people's online business and scale it. So we've got about 40 employees. And, um, and we're now at the point right now where, okay, we've got a big book of business and, and it's going really well. And the point all along was to build an agency so that we had all the internal resources to be able to launch our own brands. So as we sit today, um, I spent a big chunk of my time on Common Thread Collective, bringing in a new business, working on the influencer side of things. But we have two brands that we've launched in the market right now. We have another one launching in April. And so if you guys check out, anybody who rides motocross, check out Slick Products, the best dirt bike cleaning solution kit on the market. And we saw this business and we acquired this business because it's a really viral community. The dirt bike community is very, very, uh, very tight knit community. And um, there was a product that was better than all the other products. So I brought in Ricky Carmichael. We're doing a deal right now with um, uh, Kerry Hart, King's husband. Who's, he's like the, the godfather of uh, like the street bike craze. Yep. And, um, and so we, we basically bring them in as partners and create content, scale the revenue, um, build efficiencies in the business, create more margin, you know, clean up the supply chains, and we scale it. Uh, we also have a brand in the market right now called Opening Day. So uh, I have a two-year-old son. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll be well aware. I have a two-year-old son. Love little love him. <laughs> He's a star on my Instagram. Uh, and uh, what we realized is uh, millennial moms are the best consumers online. And millennial moms also, uh, we, we found out what, what the most trafficked price-pointed items were. What do they look for the most? Uh, and, uh, and then where's their hole in the market? What we found is that there's no sports companies for kids between zero and four. Zero years old and four years old. Um, you can buy a bat for your eight-year-old. You can buy cleats for your twelve-year-old. You can buy cool hats and baseball gloves for your five-year-old. Um, there's nothing from zero to four. And so, uh, opening day supply company um, is uh, just launched. Uh, we're going to bring in some influencers here. I'll, I'll leave it at that. So we're going to have some best in class, some really, really big-time athletes who are going to be partners with us. And um, and what we do is uh, we inspire, uh, inspire the love of joy, uh, love of uh, play through the joy of sport. And uh, so crib sheets, onesies, bottles, teething, uh, bibs, all that stuff. We have a full product line, and uh, it's killing it. And uh, really just because we understand how Facebook works, we understand e-commerce, we understand how social media works, and my partners are really good on the manufacturing side of things. And so we built some, some really cool businesses. And at Comment Collective, we launch a new brand every six months with way less money than it would take anybody else to do it because we have an entire agency of content, influencers, paid media people, that are plugged in. So we launched the brand and we hand it to our teams to come through a collective and scale it. So it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And I'm doing it with my, uh, my, uh, two, my, my high school receiver and my high school backup quarterback. Wow. So it sounds like an awful lot of uh, fun stuff going on over there. And, uh, I can't tell you honestly how how much we appreciate you coming on. Uh, I, I'm a I'm a California boy myself. I, I grew up in the Inland Empire. I'm out in Dana Point, La Jolla, uh, every at least every other two weeks for work. You uh, you were great having on. We we'd love to have you on in the future. And I'd love you know next time I'm out in Dana Point, shoot you a text, see if you're free for you know a beer or whatever. Let's do it. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I, I appreciate it. I think one of the coolest things about um, about playing in the NFL uh, was really that uh, there are really true fans out there. There totally are. And I live in, I live near LA, which is like the worst fan base in the world. And everybody's bandwagoner. And 
Um, and so what I loved about, you know, playing for the Bears, playing for the Bengals, um, even in, in UTEP, you know, small school is the only offer I had, like, even at UTEP, like, there are real fans everywhere. And uh, I think it's really cool what you guys are doing. You guys are real fans. You said it's a passion project. Um, you know, we're, we're talking, you know, right now on a, on a weekend. <laughs> I don't know when it's going to air, but we're talking on a weekend. And uh, and it's just really cool to uh, that there are really, really true fans out there. And uh, believe it or not, guys like playing for fans. And, uh, and so I think it's really cool what you guys are doing. Well, we really appreciate that. That means a lot. And uh, you will be getting a text from me next time I'm in data point, man. I, uh, again, we we can't we can't thank you enough, and we look forward to having you on again here sometime. You know, prior to the season, to talk about you know where Kyle, Josh, and Sam go, and and how it went, and all we can do is thank you so much for coming on, and, and we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, we'll talk to you soon, Jordan. Thank you. When they had our backs up against the wall and said that we couldn't stand the pressure, we still got it done, man. When they said the clock was winding down and it wasn't enough time to get it done, we still got it done, man. Now it's our time to shine, it's our time to keep it 100. So we gonna go out here and show them how true we are.